Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. We've been in Ephesians chapter 5 for some time and we're uh, making our way through the book of Ephesians and learning what it means to serve God and what it means to, uh, to study His Word and what it means to, uh, to apply His Word to our life. And, and so we, uh, we're continuing to understand uh, what it means for us to be a Christian and you're, just as a recap, you know, uh, the first three chapters of, of Ephesians were all about what does it mean, what, what was God's plan for us, what was God's design for us as Christians, uh, what, what was God's purpose for us uh, in relationship to Him. And then we come into the last three chapters, and I know it seems like we've been here for such a long time, uh, but uh, this is a passage of Scripture that... Uh, uh, these scriptures are all about how we implement God's plan in our life. How do we live it out? How do we get there? How do we get prepared to... Uh, and remember, uh, chapter 6 is all about getting ready to go into battle and, and battling the forces of darkness in this world, going up against Satan. And, and it talks all about uh, putting on the armor of God and everything. But before we can ever put on the armor of God, we've got to be prepared ourselves. We've got to be ready and understand what does it mean for us to be uh, a part of God's family, a part of the army of God, to be uh, a, a Christian. And so we're learning that right now and we're, uh, we'll uh, steadily make progress through this uh, as we go. Uh, turn, uh, look again with me at Ephesians 5 verses uh, 18 through 21. That's where we're looking at. <coughs> and, and again, we started out with singing, uh, with saying, uh, don't be drunk with wine. It says, uh, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that, that's the, the comparison there, is the, the whole idea of uh, this is what the world does. This, uh, the world goes out and gets drunk with wine. They, uh, we talked about how in pagan worship they uh, utilized wine and they uh, got so drunk that they just allowed them all their inhibitions to be lowered. They allowed their uh, uh, themselves to to be whipped into a frenzy, and and they used that time of debauchery and and uh, engaging in all kinds of of wicked things as a part of their worship, of as a part of communing with their God. And and God says, look, that's not how. You get in touch with me. That's not how you relate to me. He says, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Don't allow the things of this world, don't allow drunkenness and wine to control your life and to dictate the way you live your life. And and, and really, people that, that get drunk, people that, that get uh, carried away in all kinds of substance abuse, whether it's a strong drink or anything else, uh, and listen, that can get uh, kind of... That can branch out into a lot of different things. We allow a lot of things to to 
dictate our life, to control our life. And, and God is telling us through the words of Paul, look, don't get so wrapped up in the things of this world that it controls your life, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And we talked about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. We've talked about that for several weeks, and we've uh, looked at that, and he says, uh, uh, be filled with the Spirit, uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and that's where we were last week. We talked about uh, not just the comparison, uh, the compa- uh, contrast and comparison, uh, but we also talked about the command of uh, being filled with the Spirit. And then thirdly, we talked about uh, the consequences, and that's uh, where we see in, in verse 19, the consequences of being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the Spirit of the Lord causes you and we talked about this last week of, of singing of, of this, this whole aspect of, of the Spirit of God just flows out throughout your life and it causes you to sing. And we're going to look in that in a little bit more detail. But I want you to turn with me, uh, keep your finger there in Ephesians 5 and turn back with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is, is where Jesus is talking to His disciples and He's telling them about all these promises that He has for them. This is right before He's about to be taken away and be betrayed. This is right before He goes to the cross. This is right before uh, He is to pay the, uh, the price of our, uh, our sins on the cross as our propitiation, uh, our substitute on the cross, the only substitute that would be, uh, be the payment that God would accept. And Jesus is telling His disciples about how uh, if He goes away and He goes uh, uh, to prepare a place for them, that, that He's going to send one uh, who will be their comforter. And we're, we understand that to be the Holy Spirit. And what we need to understand is, is that the Holy Spirit, uh, the presence of the Holy Spirit, is the one thing that, uh, that brings about the promises of Jesus Christ. Look with me in John chapter 14, verse 16. 16 and 17, it says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. Uh, he's talking about, G, uh, about the Holy Spirit. He'll give you uh, a, uh, uh, one who will come along, an advocate, a comforter, the one who will come alongside of you and, and protect you and defend you, and that He may abide with, it, with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Here's Jesus Christ telling us that when he leaves his disciples, when he goes, he will send another alongside of us. He will send one just like he is, one who is, and of course we understand and know that God is in, is a triune God. He's, uh, he's one and only God. He, there is no other but Him. But we also understand that He is, uh, uh, he is in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, when I leave, I'm going to send one just like me who will be uh, a comforter. He will be with you always. He will stay with you. And so we have, first and foremost, this promise of the Holy Spirit coming into our life, His presence being with us forever. And look at verses 1 through 6 in chapter 14. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. 
He says, look, don't allow yourself to be overcome with, uh, with the concerns and troubles. And look, Jesus knew very well what concerns were going to come. He knew that they were going to be hunted down like animals. He knew that they were going to be persecuted. And He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And remember we talked about how this is a a, uh, promise of Jesus Christ to be the ultimate bridegroom. He is the bridegroom. He is telling His disciples that the church is the bride and He's going to go and prepare a place. And and it's very symbolic in in terms of the bride and the groom and how the groom would prepare. uh, The the time of engagement was a time in which uh, the the engagement was announced to everyone that this is uh, this is my uh, intended and and think about the relationship if you will of uh, for instance uh, Mary and Joseph before Jesus was born Mary and Joseph were uh, spoused the Bible says they were espoused and what that means is is they were like an engagement an engagement was a long period of time in which the bridegroom would go off and begin to prepare the house that they would live in, and they would—he uh, would most times build it onto the house uh, uh, of his parents, and and he would build onto a, uh, that house a, a wing that would be their portion of the house, and they would—he would prepare a place. And this is Jesus telling us that he is going to go and prepare a place for us, and we we understand that to be in heaven, but it is very much so in the same way that uh, a bridegroom at that time would go and prepare a place. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so he's talking about that final conclusion part of the relationship between a man and a woman while they're espoused, in which uh, culminates in the marriage where the bridegroom comes. And you remember we talked about the uh, parable of the bridegroom that was coming and the, and the virgins that were outside the, uh, the gate. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to usher him into the bride. And uh, uh, they were there waiting, and he says, I'm telling you, I'm coming. I, if it weren't so, I would have told you. And I'm coming to prepare a place, and I'm going to take you to where I am, and you'll be with me forever like a husband and wife, and uh, we'll be united forever. Uh, and so he says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how, is, uh, how can we know the way uh, to get to you? And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by men. So he's saying, uh, this is your one and only way in which you get to uh, be with God is that relationship that you have with Jesus Christ, that relationship that you have with Him as a part of the bride of Christ and united with Jesus Christ for all eternity. There's no, uh, there's no getting saved and then being dropped by Christ because you did something wrong or being saved and, and, and losing your salvation. He says, that relationship is eternal. They might have some uh, ups and downs. You might have some struggles uh, with sin in your life, but that relationship is permanent because I'm going to take you and you'll be a part of uh, the family of God for all of eternity. And he says, but it is so that you can be with me and you can be in my presence. And he's, he's, very, uh, he's clearly uh, promising uh, presence with God in heaven. And he says, uh, I'm the only way in which you get 
to be in His presence. Now, uh, don't look this up, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in Ephesians chapter 1, we also have uh, where Jesus says that uh, that we receive the arabon. Uh, the the Greek word is arabon of the Spirit. We receive the arabon, and what that word means, and it has several different meanings, but it is a guarantee. You know, uh, uh, it's hard to, to take a promise. It's hard to take a a deal if uh, sometimes if you don't have a guarantee. When you buy a car, you put, you put up money and uh, you. Uh, pay a down payment many and a lot of us like to buy cars without uh, having to put anything down uh, but uh, when a deal car dealer uh, says if you're really interested in buying this car you'll put a certain amount of money down so I know you're serious about buying this car and you have a means of, of purchasing it and uh, God says uh, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit is our arabon he is our guarantor of our relationship with Christ he is the one that's uh, and in revelation it talks about he is the, he seals us until the last day and he is the one who guarantees but let me tell you what else this word means it, this word also means uh, that the Holy Spirit is not only our guarantee, He is our first installment. He is the down payment. He is the one who, who uh, uh, puts forth to us the fact that we are permanently in a relationship with Jesus Christ and that we'll be forever a part of, of a relationship with, uh, with Jesus Christ and God because He is the third person of the Trinity. He is God with us. He is, and, and this all goes back to in the Old Testament where uh, we, t- uh, we look at the Israelites when they're being pulled out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt and uh, God tells Moses that He wants to have a place in which He will be able to tent amongst the people and He wants, and He's talking about the tabernacle. He's saying, I want you to establish the tabernacle. This is where you're going to come and worship and this is a place where it's a tent of meeting and He says, and I want all of Israel to be uh, camped. When we stop, uh, you're going to camp all around me and 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 uh, the word literally there for the tabernacle is uh, God amongst us and then we Fast forward to the New Testament, and what does it say about Jesus Christ when, uh, uh, when he, His birth is announced? It is that God will dwell amongst us. He's, uh, this is a, uh, a continual diagram or a continual illustration of how God desires to be amongst us, not just in a tent, not just in uh, Jesus Christ as a per- person, but when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave and went up to be with the Father, that the Holy Spirit would allow us to tent with God again, to allow God within us to dwell with us and to allow God's presence to be in our life. You see, this is what God's plan is all along, has been that when we broke that relationship with Him in the Garden of Eden, when that, that perfect union with God was broken, God desired to restore that relationship with us, desired to restore His, His union with us, and this is how God is going about doing that, is to allow us to have fellowship with God, to allow us to have uh, a relationship with God, that we would be able to look to God like Jesus Christ does and say, Abba, Father, that we would have that close relationship. That's like saying, Daddy. It's like crawling up in your daddy's lap and putting your head on his chest and, and realizing that everything in the world can just go by the wayside, 
that you're safe in His arms and that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And so Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is our guarantor of that relationship. And, and that word, interestingly enough, also means that the Holy Spirit is our engagement ring. Now, I told you about this relationship in terms of marriage and everything, and that this guarantee is like an engagement ring. We give an engagement ring to uh, us fellas to, to put a ring on that, uh, that woman's finger so that nobody else comes sniffing around, right? And it's to ensure that relationship, that engagement ring, is a, is a tangible symbol of our love, a tangible symbol of our intentions to be wed with that woman. It's a tangible symbol of our commitment. And the Holy Spirit is that tangible uh, 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 proof of God's desire to have that relationship with us. And the Holy Spirit comes into our life, as we talked about last week, it's not something that <coughs> we get the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus into our heart and then we do some bad things and, and then we uh, lose the Holy Spirit and we got to go out like we're uh, uh, Inspector Gadget out there uh, with a magnifying glass trying to find the Holy Spirit again because uh, we lost Him and we want Him to fill our life again. No, the Bible tells us that it is uh, like an ever-pouring uh, a jug of water into a glass that it's like ha uh, trying to fill a cup that has a hole in the bottom. Uh, the Holy Spirit continues to fill our life, continues to flow in, continues to go into our life, and we're continually being filled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus also says to us in uh, John chapter 14, verse 12, look there, it says, Verily I say unto you that he that believeth on me the works that I do, he shall also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. He promises us through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we'll do greater things than Jesus Christ did. Well, what did Jesus Christ do? Well, he did a lot of uh, wonderful, marvelous things. How can we do anything greater than what Jesus Christ did? Well, that's because Jesus Christ, He said, I'm going to be with the Father. The greatest thing that Jesus did, aside from raising people from the dead, restoring sight to the blind, causing those who could not walk to be able to walk, the greatest thing that He did was He died on the cross for our sins, right? He died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins, and rose on the third day. There ought to be an amen out there somewhere for that. Okay? And, and uh, after Jesus Christ, that's the greatest thing that Jesus Christ did for us, that He was paid the penalty of our sins. How could we do anything greater? Jesus went to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit allows us to go and do greater things. And what He's talking about is, is that He allowed that Holy Spirit within us enables us to go out and to share the gospel beyond where Jesus shared. Jesus was uh, tied down to one geographical location in which He shared uh, the message of God with His disciples and those who He was around that He talked to after He rose from the grave. But we carry the message of the gospel throughout the world. We've, we've been charged by Jesus Christ that, uh, in the Great Commission to carry the message of Christ throughout the whole world. And, and Jesus is saying, this is a greater, task, a greater thing than I'm able to do because He was going back to be with the Father. And so uh, the Holy Spirit enables us to do greater works than His in that we carry the gospel throughout the world and we're charged to do that. Verse 13 and 14, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, 
That will I do, and the Father may, uh, may be glorified in the Son, that if ye have asked anything in my name, I will do it. He says through the Holy Spirit uh, that, that you can ask anything that God wants, uh, that you uh, uh, need in your life in terms of doing God's will in your life, in terms of, of doing the work of God, and He will uh, bring it about in your life. Anything that, that is necessary for you to carry out the message of Christ, uh, that He will uh, provide for you and He will enable you will be able to ask anything and God will grant it. Verse 18, it says, And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. He promises us that He'll not leave us. He will not uh, forsake us. That He will stay with us. Look at verse uh, 27. And it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but I uh, give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither, neither let it be afraid. He says, I give you peace. That peace comes through the Holy Spirit. Peace. Uh, and if you look over in Galatians, you'll see the, the, the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And so it's through the Holy Spirit that God gives us His peace. And He's saying, you don't need to worry about the things of this world. Don't worry about those who can merely take your life. Uh, worry about the Instead, uh, He that is able to control your eternal destiny is talking about God and His forgiveness. So God gives us peace and we're, uh, we're able to uh, understand that God is with us for all eternity uh, because He will never forsake us. So if we go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and we look back where we were at at the beginning, we talked about the fact that not only are we filled with the Spirit, He filled, and the consequences of His filling our, our Spirit is that we sing, that we sing and we rejoice. Uh, we sing and we, we share uh, the gospel with others in our singing. And uh, we also talked about uh, the consequence not only of singing, but we'd say thanks, and then we'd uh, uh, also uh, have service. And those are the three things that we'll get to, but we're going to uh, stay with singing uh, today. Um, we need to ask ourselves, where would we sing? It says, uh, wherefore, uh, let's see, and be not drunk with wine, uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So first of all, we sing not to the world, we sing amongst ourselves. We sing to express the joy of the Holy Spirit within us. We sing to express uh, uh, the filling of the Spirit in our lives. Uh, there's so many that want to say, well, you don't have the Spirit in you unless you speak in tongues. Really, the testimony of having the Spirit of God in you is, is singing, not speaking in tongues. He says here uh, that we will sing uh, uh, amongst ourselves. We're to sing to, to uplift one another. We're to sing to testify of the presence of God in our life. We're to sing about all the things, wonderful things that God has given us and has uh, filled our lives. Uh, so we are to sing amongst ourselves and sing uh, around Christians. So why is it that we don't sing uh, around others? Well, we're told uh, in the Bible that we're to preach the Word, not to, to sing the Word. We're to preach to others. We, do, we preach to others about the message of God, not sing. The singing is to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. And surely uh, when we sing amongst ourselves and those who hear from in the world that don't have Christ, 
trust in our life. They can be inspired by uh, the Spirit of God to, to hear uh, the closeness of our relationship with God, but it's not intended to be a, a way of giving our testimony. We're to sing amongst ourselves and to share uh, that message of Christ. And uh, we're, how do we're to sing? Uh, it says, sing... Uh, to yourselves in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody from your heart, in your heart to the Lord. We're to sing in our heart. We're to sing uh, as an outpouring of what God has done within our heart. We're to sing uh, uh, the melody of, of God's message in our life and how it has changed us, how it has transformed us. Uh, that's why uh, when we become a Christian, it should be easy for us to to pour out um, uh, our praise of God and to pour out our love for God. And we talked about last week about all the... uh, the worship that went on in the tabernacle and, and in the temple, uh, the 4,000 singers, that would be amazing to see a choir of 4,000. And we talked about how the whole nation of Israel sang when uh, they were delivered by God at the Red Sea from uh, Pharaoh's army. And we hear about uh, also in that passage of Miriam leading all the women and singing a song and, and that great women's choir. And and so uh, time and again we see uh, emphasis on on singing as a uh, as a outpouring of gratitude to God for all that He has done for us, all the things that He has done uh, in our life. It is a way of expressing the joy that's within our heart, of expressing the love that is within us. That God has filled us with His love, and it is an outpouring. So uh, we also. Uh, talk about how do we sing? We sing, uh, it says here in verse 19, um, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is uh, what we sing. Uh, but before we do that, we, uh, it's, we need to also say that we sing to God. We sing to Him. Uh, before we get into what we sing, we sing to God. We sing from our heart. We sing... Uh, the outpouring of God's love to us, but we sing to God. We're not singing for each other. We're not singing to, to, to say, look at me, look at me, look at what I can do. But we're singing to God. We're singing uh, praises to God. And we, uh, of course, that scene uh, throughout the Bible, as, as John uh, the Revelator said in Revelations, he saw heaven and he saw the, the four uh, beasts around the, the uh the uh, throne of God and he saw the 24 elders and he saw the 144,000 and all the angels all singing holy, holy, holy around the throne of God. This is to worship God. When we sing, it's not... And that's why... It's not for the world. It's not uh, to lead people to Christ. It is we're singing to God. We're singing praises to Him. We're singing uh, and rejoicing at what God has done in our life. Surely our song can have an Im- uh, impact on those who are lost, uh, but it is not to be the primary way in which we share the gospel. We're to share. Uh, uh, we're to sing because we're singing to God. We're singing His praises. So what do we sing? Last thing, um, it says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I want to point out 
those three things. First of all, Psalms. That's uh, something that we are familiar with. We look in uh, the book of Psalms and we see all... And and you have to remember that those are all songs, psalms that were sung by the people of Israel. Those were songs that were sung as a way of re, as praising God, of worshiping God, of, of adoring God, of sharing uh, the message of... Um, God's deliverance of telling about uh, what God has done. It, it, they were songs that were sung back and forth across great valleys uh, with part of Israel on one side and part of Israel on another. Also, the, uh, the, the priests were, were broken up in groups where they were, uh, would do the same thing, where they would sing back and forth towards each other. Those psalms are psalms that... Uh, Declare the the wonderful love of God and declare uh, what He has done for us. Also, it says hymns. Now, the psalms were sung, and I want you to see something here. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is broken up in three categories for three distinctive reasons. Psalms are something that were sung to God because God the Father was the one who delivered those things, uh, delivered those uh, aspects. Hymns, uh, the word hymn there is a word that uh, that refers to um, uh, singing about what God is doing in your life uh, at that moment. And this is uh, characterized with... Uh, in a Christian's life, what Christ has done for us. And so you have the Father and the Son, the hymns being songs sung about Jesus Christ, songs that are sung about uh, what God is doing in your life at this moment, what God is doing uh, in your life. And spiritual songs is uh, related to singing about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so we have all three aspects of uh, the Trinity in these three aspects of music. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs were all songs that were devoted to the worship of God in the three persons of, of the Trinity. It's not, un, uh, it's not by accident that he says that we are to sing uh, with songs, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We are making melody within our heart to the Lord about all that He has done and about all the things that He has accomplished in our life. So this has been a fly-through real quick about uh, the singing, and we'll talk about uh, in more detail about uh, the other aspects of, of living in the Spirit and living as uh, with being filled by the Spirit. But uh, we need to understand that these songs are songs that... Uh, that that need to emanate from us because of what the Holy Spirit has done in our life. And if you don't have the presence of God in your life, you cannot sing in this way. You cannot rejoice at what God is doing in your life. And if you don't have a song within your heart, you need to re-examine your relationship to Him. All three of these things point to, uh, and I, as I was talking about, this this whole thing of who we are and what we are and, and how we uh, are getting here again is about all about uh, is a is an uh, analogy of of that is building a high powered sports car and we talked about how all the different aspects of how we're to live and everything is the building of of the car and building of the engine and the 
the Holy Spirit being in our life. That is the gas that gives us the ability to go forward. And the singing of the songs, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, to me, is like the key. It's the key that gets everything going. Uh, we can't uh, be a testimony to others if we don't have the Spirit of God within us. We cannot uh, share the gospel if we don't uh, first sing uh, our celebration of God, our relationship to God in our hearts first. We need to have this uh, understanding of, of the, our relationship to God. And we'll continue on in the weeks to come. Let's join together for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, I pray for the one who is here today that doesn't have a song within their heart, that's lacking the ability to sing with joy because they don't have a relationship with You. Lord, I pray that, that if there's someone here today that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, Father, God, I I pray that You would uh, call upon them, Lord, that Your Spirit would draw them to a relationship with Christ, draw them to a saving grace, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ in their life, that they might know You and that they might have the song of the Holy Spirit within them. Lord, if there's someone here today that has lost their way, that has uh, gotten off the path, that has, has allowed the world to cloud their vision and turn them away, Lord, that You would help them to call back to You. Allow Your Spirit and Your presence to be felt and to have the things of this world to be wiped away so that they might be able to have a song within their heart once again. Lord, I praise You and I rejoice in all that You are. We give You thanks and we give You praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.